All my plants are dead. I thought you were going to watch my house while I was away. I watched it. It didn't do anything. It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions, hello, my dove. Hello, dear. Are you feeling better? Uh, yes. I don't know how I sound. How do I sound? <laughs> do I sound a little stuffy? You, you do sound slightly stuffy, as I may sound slightly gravelly. Because, I think you sound great. <clears throat> well, the crud. The crud is happening in our I think home. it's that seasonal crud. Yeah. The weather's changing. Ah, nor'easterns are blowing. What? <laughs> They're bringing in all of the pollen. <laughs> oh, the salties here. What? <laughs> here in Ohio. That's probably not it. But I mean, barometric pressure change can affect one's sinuses. Yes. And we did have a low pressure system come in. So I blame nature. How could you do this to me? <laughs> Hi. This is uh, this is an episode, uh, it was suggested, and I will find that in just a minute. But this is one of those of, like, I knew there'd be a lot of people interested in this one. And I was right. We got a lot of questions on this one. Um, how, what was also, your... there's a lot of, uh, of talk about this topic in the Schmanners Fanners group. Um, there have been, have been several... Uh, several questions posed of our our loyal listeners, and I think that they are doing a great job offering schmannerly advice. You know, this is, I'm going to say, I'm a little embarrassed. I just searched the topic list, and this was suggested by uh, Loretta, um, but also Mike. Uh, Mike suggested it, let me check, over three years ago. Oh, boy. Yeah, so Mike, <laughs> this one's for you. <laughs> And, and Loretta, it's also for you. Now, what was your experience, like, researching for this one? Because this is one of those of, like, I knew that this would be very actionable in terms of questions. Mm-hmm. But how do you research the history of house sitting? Well, I thought that I would be able to find some actionable tips and tricks and whatever from some of my etiquette books. Um, I have several published from a, a, around the turn of the century, actually. Yeah. And I also have I have books dating up to the 1950s. Yeah. And she does her research, folks. Like, this is... Teresa takes this. This is serious business. So she found all the tips and tricks of those books, right? No. Oh. Uh, so I, I turned to the internet. Um, and when one searches house sitting... A history <laughs> online, what you really come across is how to become a house sitter, like how to make this a profitable thing for you, how to house sit abroad and stay somewhere for free can and I, like I, all can this I guess stuff. how you become a house sitter? You go to people's houses while they're away and you start watching them for them. And then when they come back, you say, hi, you don't know me, <laughs> but I watched your house while you were away. Could you pay me? 
No. That's not how it works. But it has become a little bit of an internet phenomenon where there is, there are several sites, um, some which are free, some which you pay a fee, where they they pretty much facilitate the finding and the the filling of houses. Um, So if you want to house sit, you can sign up on these sites and they connect you with people who want their home sat. Um, some places, they, again, they do it for monetary uh, incentive, and some they don't. Um, That's so, it's interesting. Not The monetary incentive thing doesn't bother me, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would always pay someone to watch my house. But it feels like such a personal thing to me that I don't know that I would hire a stranger off the internet. Well, but it. this is the thing, right? They facilitate background checks and some of them like list references. Some of these people have been, um, you know, have long histories of doing this. Um, but it's still there's there is a lot of trust involved. Obviously, some of these sites also they um, have uh, contracts like sample contracts that you can do. Um, and I I. I don't know if, like you said, if I would ever be comfortable having someone stay in my home, but to come in and check on things, water plants, and leave, I mean, I'd be okay with that. That said, when I was a dog walker in LA, I often went to go check on people's pets when they were away, Uh, usually cats, because cats tend to do a little better, you know. Yeah, I can see what that would be different. Dogs. I, I especially I think if everyone you knew like mm-hmm. had day jobs, you know that like, and by which I mean literally worked like nine to five, so it'd be hard to find somebody who could go let your pets out. You know, like, right? I could see that. So there definitely is a need, but as far as history, um, what we really need to talk about is the idea of servants. Okay. And so this is this is the thing right um we don't think about this very much but household work in general is kind of an unrelenting chore it's it's ongoing it's continuing forever and ever you don't think about that much i think a lot of people think about that (laughs) i think a lot of people think about that and especially with the uh with the popularity of downton abbey Mm -hmm. i think people have probably gotten very familiar with the idea of like a household is a machine and it's constantly going and constantly needs this kind of thing going. Right. And the burden throughout history, especially for um, domestic staff, has been on women. Um, whereas men often served in like higher capacity, yes. like as we've talked about butlers valets. and valets and, and coachmen and things like that. But Where as, you were kind of at the ready. You weren't right. necessarily doing something every minute of the day. Where if you think about like cooks and cleaners and stuff, those jobs were routinely reserved for women. Yes. And they were like round the clock working. And so before all of this, before see, the listen. invention. Oh, great. I pay attention right? and I watch Downton Abbey. <laughs> I want to go see that movie, by the way. Okay, no spoilies. All right. People listening at home. (laughs) So before the invention of washing machines and vacuums and I don't know, like like drill brushes. (laughs) Every modern convenience. Swiffers. Swiffer Um, wet jet. As late as the nineteen fifties, with all of these things being uh on the market, 
even American homes still had at least one servant. Okay. Um, and that might make you feel a little weird. And it did, it did make people feel weird at the time, too. Um, in fact, in 1928, there was a National Council on Household, Household Employment created. Um, bringing together servants, efficiency experts, labor activists, and and even Eleanor Roosevelt to try and fix what was being called the servant problem. Um, So here's the thing, right? So wait, what was the problem? Well, the affluent people of America, mainly white people Uh at the time, wanted cheap, reliable, enthusiastic domestic labor right yeah but poorer women many of them black were like no yeah it the i'm willing to bet just a shot in the deck they didn't get paid enough probably not yeah yeah um low pay unlimited hours and even the terms associated with domestic staff like servant and maid and things like that were you know demeaning Very, very stigmatized very bad yes exactly um so it really didn't like do much, especially because the council largely refused to acknowledge that race was probably a big part of this problem. Yeah, because here's the thing, as I'm thinking about it in a utopian setting, right? I don't think that there's anything wrong with there being a a an industry of like housekeeping, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, you think about it like, I don't know, maybe you feel bad about this too, but like with, you know, all of the different like meal delivery services and meal prep services and everything, people are bringing you food so you don't have to, right? Because right. we get busy and we don't always have time to keep that up. And in, in a utopian society, I think maybe we'd feel the same way about cleaners, but I can see your point where, one, it's so stigmatized uh, in such a way because it there's such a background in it in uh, basically, you know, race and yeah. all of that. And also... Especially it, here in the U.S. Especially in the yes. U.S. And it has also come to be seen as a thing of like, well, I spend money on this thing that I should be able to do myself, right? But I think if that's your set of skills, like, I, you know, for example, I love doing laundry. I think I'm pretty good at it, right? <laughs> maybe like maybe in a different life I'd be a professional laundry person. But in these in this day and age, doing laundry is really the job of the machine and yeah. you are just the filler and the emptier yes. of the machine. I guess what I should say is I like doing a thing where I only have to do basically 5 minutes out of every hour of work. Right, because yeah. the machine is doing it for you whereas yes. Before the invention of washing machines, it, like, was an all-day chore. Yeah. Constant work. All right. So the council was formed in 1928. What happens in uh, just a few short years? Is it World War Two? No. No? No. The Great Depression? Yes. Okay. So the Great Depression was kind of a, a, a leveling ground for this idea. Yes. Maybe that, that's probably where the, I'm paying for things that I could do myself probably came from that, like, tightening. You know, anytime America or, or the world has had an economic downturn, mm-hmm. there's probably, like, a where can I trim in the budget? And probably right. cleaning is one of them. So this this little issue occurred 
where people who could still afford to have domestic staff became way less willing to make concessions, uh. saying that they are doing people a favor by employing them. Gross. Right? And some people even branded their job as an opportunity because they offered free room and board for the uh, domestic work. Oh, that's gross. That's Uh, opportunistic. It really is. Um, But even during the Great Depression, when, you know, swaths of Americans were unemployed, these jobs still went unfilled. Nobody wanted to do it. Huh. Um, and then when when wages grew back up during World War II, um, women could find better pay in factories especially. So still the rate of domestic service declined and declined and declined. So how does this get us to house sitting? Okay. The reason that we get to house sitting is because at this point... When a, a household no longer has live-in staff, you begin to outsource this domestic work. Okay. Right? Um, so in order to kind of like effectively sidestep labor laws, um, employers pay nannies and cleaners and gardeners at separately, right? Um, and mostly cash under the table, right? Um so they they don't have full-time help anymore. So everything gets parceled out individually. Okay. Including house-sitting. Okay. Whereas you would normally have people who just live in your home and don't go on vacation when you go on vacation. That's always the weirdest thing to me, by the way. I, I, I think they reference it several times in Downton Abbey, but it's a thing in a lot of, like, uh, Victorian and late Victorian and Edwardian stuff of like, well, that's our like summer house, and mm-hmm. there's just people there all the time taking care of it, except for the two months we need it, and then we just move everybody in, and it's ready to go. Right. And then we leave, and those people stay there for like ten months out of the year when we're not there. Right. And they just continue the upkeep of the property and the house. And like, I remember there's a really great scene in um, The Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley when the um, the Bingleys are closing up Netherfield. Do any of those words make sense to you? I mean, I'm just impressed you could pull them out of your brain. Good job. (laughs) And you can see the staff covering tables to keep the dust off of them and closing off rooms and boarding up windows and stuff to try and keep the home in good condition while they're away. Um, and that's that's really what I think of. But those people that they employed at that house, they stay there. So no need to hire a house sitter because people are there anyway. Okay. All right. So that brings us up to modern times. We have machines that do more domestic work for us. Uh, People are no longer full-time employees of households. So now we outsource this domestic work, including house-sitting. Okay. I would imagine that now it's an interesting time to think about it, right? Because with so much... I, I can't think of a better word other than surveillance stuff, like home surveillance stuff you can have. Mm-hmm. Nanny I'm, cams and yeah, such. I'm not as worried about making sure my house is safe. 
Um, for us, it's about the pets, and then we have two dogs and a cat. Right. We don't have any uh, plants because, see, before two dogs and a cat, <laughs> a cat who just will destroy any plant. And we can't take our dogs and cats with us when we fly. And so it is, yeah, I imagine back in the day, you probably didn't worry about that as much because you just took your dog and cat with you in your automo car or whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. Or you... Um had like i said you had live-in staff that would take care of your menagerie uh so like i said we have lots of questions to cover but first how about a thank you note for our sponsors schmanners is sponsored in part this week by quip we love quip here we've talked about it so many many times uh we are a household who cares about dental health BB just had her first dentist appointment not too long ago and absolutely knocked it out of the park. I'm sure we've talked about this before. I think we have. I'm just so proud. Um, I, listen, for a long time, I didn't have great tooths. I didn't take care of them. But now I do. And I love my teeth so much. And part of that is Quip. Because Quip makes it easy to take care of your teeth. Because it's got gentle, um, sensitive vibrations and a built-in timer that guide brushing for the dentist recommended two minutes with 30-second pulses ensuring an even clean. I promise you folks, if you think you're brushing your teeth long enough and you don't have some kind of timer going, you are not. <laughs> Usually about 30 seconds in, I'm like, that's, oh, wait, no, okay, oh, cool. And it automatically delivers new brush heads to you every three months for clean new bristles right on schedule. And these thoughtful features make brushing something you actually want to do twice every day or more. Sometimes I brush my teeth three times a day. Even Ooh, four. hoity-toity. I know. And Quip starts at just $25. And you'll get your first refill free at getquip.com slash schmanners. It's a simple way to support our show and start brushing better, but you have to go to getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash manners to get your first refill free. Go right now to G-E-T-Q-U-I-P, getquip.com slash schmanners. Schmanners is also brought to you in part this week by Native Deodorant. Um, Native promises fewer, simpler ingredients so that you know everything that's in the deodorant. They're aluminum-free, and it comes in a wide variety of lovely scents. At the moment, I am into the cucumber mint because it is, uh, it's it's quite subtle, but also you look, refreshing. The way that you're talking about it is like you're talking about like the notes of a white wine. <laughs> well, I mean, I, when you when you use something every day, you get used to its smell. Mm. Um, they also offer an unscented formula and a baking soda-free formula. So with for people with even more skin sensitivities, there's an option for them too. And with free returns and exchanges in the USA, there's no risk to try out Native. Um, I have really enjoyed it. Um, I do want to make sure that everyone understands that Native is a deodorant, not an antiperspirant. I do not sweat very much. I don't do very much <laughs> well you're pregnant right now so you're not doing much for two that's true um so it works great for me because what i need is a very subtle scent uh to 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 make those around me feel pleasant about mm. my presence lovely 
<laughs> so what do our listeners need to do? Well, for 20% off your first purchase, they can visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code SCHMANNERS during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com, promo code SCHMANNERS. Hello, my name is Tusk Henderson, and I am an outdoorsman. Are you looking for a new comedy podcast? This month's episode of Beef and Dairy Network Podcast has as its guest the wonderful Nick Offerman, playing the part of Tusk Henderson, adventurer and outdoorsman. Think about fitting yourself a month's worth of provisions and a half-ton cow into a kayak. So if you've never listened to the show before, this might be a good place to start. I string a bowstring between her horn tips and I can fire a spear off the top of her head and uh, took in some very delicious cod. So, if you're after a new comedy podcast, why not try the Beef and Dairy Network for maximum fun? Download it now! You flip a cow upside down, they make an excellent toboggan. We are the host of My Brother, My Brother, Me, and now, nearly 10 years into our podcast, the secret can be revealed. All the clues are in place, and the world's greatest treasure hunt can now begin. Embedded in each episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me is a micro-clue that will lead you to 14 precious gemstones all around this big, beautiful blue world of ours. So start coming through the episodes. Uh, let's say starting at episode 101 on. Yeah, the early episodes are pretty problematic, so there's no clues in those episodes no no not at all the better ones the good ones clues ahoy listen to every episode repeatedly in sequence laugh if you must but mainly get all the great clues my brother my brother me it's an advice show kind of but a treasure hunt mainly anywhere you find podcasts or treasure maps my brother my brother me the hunt is on okay like i said a lot of questions. A lot of questions. This was probably the most common sort of something like this uh, question that we got. Kenzie Bone asked, when someone leaves perishable food in their fridge while gone, that will go bad by the time they get back. Is it up to you to eat it? Should you eat it? Even if they didn't say anything about it? So we got a lot of questions that were like, when someone says, help yourself. Can I use the ingredients in the kitchen to make meals? Can I, how, well, how much can I eat? What should I eat? Any of that. Okay. Um, I think that this is about setting clear expectations before you leave, before the homeowners leave. Um, but most of the time, people are able to be in touch by phone anyway, uh, text and whatnot. Um, so if you have a very specific question, like this prime ribbon here, is it cool if I eat it? Or these strawberries are going to go bad. May I eat them? All that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's appropriate to definitely ask. But like I said, setting clear expectations is important for everyone's comfort. Um, If you are the homeowner and you have something that you don't want people to eat, I think that it's fine to label it appropriately. Um, Also, to mention it specifically, hey, the birthday cake in there, that's for when we get back. Please don't eat any. Yeah, I think this is one of those cases, uh, as Teresa said, of the expectations. And I think that goes both ways of like if the homeowner says help yourself Mm -hmm. or if the homeowner says eat anything you want. I think you should take that at face value, right? That's what they said and not think, oh, this is a trap. Because like, for example, (laughs) as people who do travel a lot for like tours and stuff. 
I often feel bad that we get back and have to like throw away food that was just sat in the refrigerator. So somebody is watching the house for us and we say, please, like, you know, we had a meal delivery service come the day that we were leaving. Right. Feel free to make those meals. Feel free to eat them. Right. It makes me feel not so bad about that food going to waste. Right. So like. I, especially if this is a case where it's like you have a friend or family or somebody coming to watch that you know mm-hmm. and like you want them to feel comfortable in the house and you know like that to me is like make yourself at home kind of deal right uh, um so like something is something that i would suggest is if you are going to say make cookies or whatever from the things in their home leave some for them yeah <laughs> don't don't you know bake a dozen cookies and eat all of them leave some for the homeowners when they get back and then it feels like a present right. feels like a gift and it i would also say like if they're gone a long time like they're out of town for like a month or something and you're staying there and you use up everything in their house you can also you know maybe go shopping for them uh before they or ask them you know ahead of time like would you like me to go shopping for you Uh, So that you have food here for you when you get back, right? Right. And I do think that if you use up all of something, like if you use up all the milk in the refrigerator and the milk wasn't, you know, spoiling or whatever, that's different. You use it all up, you drink it, you need to replace it um, because... That's something that people need. Those are that's like a necessity people need every day. Um, so if you got back and you found, oh, there's no milk in the refrigerator, that would be kind of a hassle. Yeah, I think especially if you're doing this as a professional job and not just like a friends and family deal. Right. So this is the opposite of what I said before. <laughs> if you're doing it as a job, treat it like a job. Right. If you were working in an office job. You would ask where stuff was. You would ask, you know, how to do spreadsheets. You would ask when things are due. You would ask questions to be better at your job, right? Right. So I think if you are doing this for a job, ask the homeowners, like, okay, what is okay to eat? Would you like me to replenish the things that I eat? Would you like, like, ask, don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, Agreed. This is from Meg. How much should I offer to pay a friend for watching my pets while I'm on vacation? And does that amount change based on how close the friendship is? <coughs> Excuse me. you. Uh, does that amount change based on how close the friendship is, how many cats there are, etc.? I think the amount changes on how much labor is expected. Um, are any of the cats ill? Are you going to be expected to administer medication? Do you have or, to make their food special? Right. Or? Uh, is it just like a like a kibble thing, or is it like like you said you need to make chicken soup or whatever right. for the Are cats? Are they emptying the litter boxes? Are they whatever? And how much time are you expected to stay with the cats? Is it something where uh, they just need you to check in on them, refill food and water, scoop litter box and go? Or are you expected to stay several hours and play with the cats and cuddle and and do all those kind of things? I mean, that's what I would want to do is play with the cats and cuddle. (laughs) Um, So uh, the amount of labor involved, I think, ups how much you would compensate someone. I am going to make a bold and brassy hot take. Okay. And I don't normally do this on Schmanners. Schmanners isn't normally a place for hot takes. But I would say you should pay friends and family the same amount 
you would pay a professional like a, a stranger off the internet to do it. Because I think the added bonus of a friends and family hire is not that you get it for cheaper. It's that you get someone you know and trust and can uh, depend on right out the gate, right? And I think that not paying them what they're worth is a good way to not have them available to you as much in the future. Also, that, but now, friends and family are more likely to refuse payment as right. well. But I think, I think that it's the different. offer. I think that that's different if the friends and family give you a discount and say normally, you know, if they would house it or they say, yeah, I'll do it for whatever. Offer an appropriate amount and let them talk you down instead of just assuming you'll get them cheaper because they are your friend. Um, that's a good way to lose that friend. And, you know, you can compensate them in other ways by saying, like, and I filled the refrigerator for you, go to town. Or, or feel free to use my hot tub. Right. Or, you know, go to town, use our laundry. I know that your apartment has paid laundry. Use ours for free. Like, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but I think monetarily you should offer the same amount that you would if you were hiring somebody. Yes. Um, this is from at Iron Nissack. I don't think I said that correctly, but that's all right. How much time is appropriate to be in their house after you finished watering the plants and bringing in the mail? Should I just leave after I finish doing my job? Um, I think, again, this is like an expectations thing, but I think that if you were just going to like go home and watch TV, you might be able to do it there. Um, if you're not expected to spend the night, like we, when we have someone house it, we expect them to stay overnight. Because of the puppies. Because of the puppies. Um, but if you are not expected to stay overnight, I think that you could, you could stay there for as long as it takes to have a glass of water, watch maybe a TV program, um, upwards to an hour or so. Because I think that there is an argument to be made of if you're just watering plants and bringing the mail, what does that matter how long you stay there? But especially if it's like a house, you know, I think having the lights on, having somebody in there, having people see someone going in and out right like that would matter to me as a homeowner. That yeah, would be the like, presence of I, someone I, else. I, like there could be someone in there and you don't know, so please don't bring it to my house, right? Like that. I think is important, but I also say I've done this for people let their dogs in and out, and you know checked on their house or whatever, and it can be uncomfortable, you know, sitting like you don't feel like you can settle in because you're sitting on someone else's couch, watching someone else's TV, drinking out of someone else's glasses. So I would say like as Teresa said, say like, do you want me to stick around after I've done it? And if they're like, no, just bring in the mail and water the plants, then take off when you're done. When I was doing uh, checking in on cats and dogs professionally, like I've mentioned now a couple times, uh, that that was a, a self eye roll. I eye rolled at myself. Why you didn't? You're good at it. Um, I was required from the second that I stepped in the door to the second that I locked the door again. I had to stay thirty minutes. No matter if it was just a cat that I had to, like, feed and scoop for. Or if I was supposed to go out in the backyard and play fetch with the dogs. Um, So I had to stay 30 minutes. And sometimes I would just have to sit on the couch and play Candy Crush on my phone. Because I was expected to stay 
30 minutes. And that's where clear expectations, I think, come in handy. Indeed. This is from at Dear Judens. If I'm staying the night and there is no guest room and no prior instructions on where to sleep, should I sleep in a bed or on a couch? And I assume here, since you're saying there's no guest room, a bed would be someone's bed, right? right. Um, I'm going to put myself in this situation and it w- I would sleep on a couch um, because... You know, you uh, you may not know this person's habits. Um, if I wanted somewhere, you know, cleaner to stay, I'd put down fresh sheets on the couch and use a blanket there. Um, also, bedrooms are highly personal spaces. Um, so it might feel a little more invasive to sleep in somebody else's bed. So I would feel better sleeping on the couch. I think I would feel better sleeping on the couch as well, um, especially, as you've said here, if there was no prior communication about it. Because I think if you asked after the fact, even if they weren't okay with it, they would say it was okay to sleep in their bed, right? Like, because I, if someone asked me as I was, like, you know, heading out on a vacation, like, should I sleep on the couch or in your bed? I think I would say, like, oh, of course the bed, even though, like... It might be weird, you know. But I would want to have changed the sheets and make sure that there were no, like, dirty dishes or, like, dirty underwear on the floor. And, like, the bathroom next to it was clean. And, like, I I would want to set that out as a homeowner and make sure that I was making someone comfortable in my bedroom. If there's no guest room, I think I would just always opt to sleep on the couch. Yeah. Um, this is from Sammy. If the homeowners give you access to their streaming service, is it appropriate to watch your shows on their profile, potentially messing up their algorithm, or should you create a temporary profile and delete before they get home? I would do the second one, um, create a temporary profile. And a lot of these streaming services have guest profiles available. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we've done is we've created guest profiles so that uh, when we have house sitters, they can watch whatever they want um, and not worry about messing things up or I don't know. I never go in there and look at what people have been watching. I don't care. Uh, so I just don't want people to finish a show I was watching. That's, you know? <laughs> that's what you are about. That's the only thing I'm worried about. <laughs> you don't want them to, to skip ahead on your eps. Well, no, I don't want to start an episode and be like, wait, what? what is going on? No, that's mine. <laughs> uh, this question is from uh, at Mammary Foam. Is it considered rude to tidy a friend's home while house slash pet sitting? I think that there's a limit. Um, Rearranging things is different from tidying. Picking up, you know, um, uh, anything that any mess you have made. Say you, I don't know, you missed the trash can several times and you've got dirty tissues on the carpet. Pick those up. Right. For real. Um, or if you spill or a plant topples over or uh, an animal makes a mess, please do clean those up. Uh, but as far as like tidying, I don't think that there should be much more than what you would expect from like a cleaning service where your the piles are left alone. If it can be picked up easily, it's dusted underneath. I, and then I, it's I, put I back in the same spot if that's something that you want to do for if them. If it's something you want to do. I don't think it's expected. Is what right. I was say. Absolutely. Like, I, I would say that if you want to tidy up, 
the area that would be most like yes like no one would be upset is the kitchen certainly right like if you ran the dishwasher as long as you know what you're doing because there are certain dishes that can't go in there <laughs> there's pots and pans that can't go in there well wash the dishes as well right. wash the dishes easy. right because I think that there's plenty of like Venn diagram crossover of like I used dishes and there were dishes that needed washed, so I just washed both of them at the same time. Absolutely. I think that makes sense. Clearing right? off surfaces from crumbs, maybe sweeping up those crumbs again. Right. That's kind of but stuff. But if I came home and, like, someone had, like, made our bed and cleaned our bathroom, like, I would be like, oh, you did not have to do that. And not in, like, a nice <laughs> way, but just, like, that, okay, um, cool. Like, I think that There's one. that personal line. Right. Um, this is from uh, Nicole, and it's along the same vein. What is the cleaning protocol? If I make dirty dishes, should I clean them all? Do I vacuum the carpet I walked on? How should I leave it? Um, well, I believe in, in the Girl Scout code where you should leave it slightly tidier than you left it. Mm-hmm. Then you, I'm sorry. You should leave it tidier than you found it. Right. Um, so like I said, any spills or messes that you make, please clean up. Um, as far as like vacuuming carpet that you walked on, I would say like... That specific instance, if you, like, drag dirt in, sure. Yeah. But would I expect someone staying in my home to vacuum all the floors? No. Yeah. Um, And also, I think this comes down to, I would never expect that from friends and family. Mm -hmm. I think that it is a question of, like, if it is a service, like, a website or something where that is offered, right, then that seems like a completely different situation altogether. Again, it's the setting of expectations. Yes. I think that is just so important. And the more of these questions that come up, the more you'll have for the next time you do it and the next time and the next time. Uh, so we have a couple more questions I definitely want to get to before we wrap okay, up. Okay, okay. Caden asks, what's the etiquette on having a friend over when you are house-sitting? Don't do it. Ask permission from the owners first. Ask permission. And I think that uh, you are able to ask for one friend to come over. Uh, No parties, please. Unless the homeowner is like, hey, I bought all these bottles of wine. Please have a party. (laughs) Uh, One friend coming over is not a big deal. That's company. That's just like. But I think especially if you're talking about, like, a partner or a significant other who might stay the night with you, that is definitely something that you need to ask before the owner even leaves, right? Like, sure. is it okay if my boyfriend comes over? It never hurts to ask. Right. And I think that, uh, I think getting the verbiage is very important of, like, uh would you be comfortable with right rather than is it okay if okay right i can see that because i think is it okay if the like knee-jerk reaction is well of course yeah yeah that's fine right would you be comfortable makes it like i understand that you would not be comfortable so i might not be comfortable i I accept that no is an answer here right okay i can dig it yes i think it makes it they're able to say like i'm not comfortable with that rather than I don't trust your boyfriend. Um, (laughs) This is from, uh, let's see, this is from Bobby. Are you allowed to touch the thermostat? Temperature within reason. I spent a miserable week house slash dog sitting because I was constantly cold. Do I have to bring my own space heaters? Oh, boy. Um, It's true that a lot of people set the thermostat either, you know, lower or higher energy savvy business stuff while they leave 
And even some thermostats are programmable for like while you're gone at work. Yeah. To lower or raise the temperature. Um, I I would hate for anyone staying in my home to be perpetually uncomfortable. Yes. Um, once you have found that maybe the homeowners like their home a little cooler or a little warmer, you can dress appropriately. Um, but if someone had to wear like mittens and a hat and a scarf in my home, I would feel terrible. So I would really, I think that the best thing to do is to reach out to the homeowners and say, uh, it's been really cold this week. The thermostat is set at 55. Can I please move it up to 60? Right. I think in general, we're finding a pattern here of ask, right? Yes. unless, Unless it's a situation in which, like when we go on the Joko cruise, for example, we don't have uh, we don't have a lot of service out there on the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I I would, all, being us, I would always skew towards do what you need to do to be comfortable and we'll figure it out later. Um, so at that point, I think best judgment comes down. But if you can reach the people, yeah, asking is the way to go. Uh, one last question, and this is from Jenna. Is it okay to use their shower? I would say yes, it is okay to use their shower. I would say if they expect you to spend the night there mm-hmm. and it's going to be a couple of days, it's yes. Like yes. you're staying in their home. Like I think it is a lot to ask to expect you to leave, go back to your place, shower, and come back there. Mm-hmm. I think that I would say uh, going against all the advice we've given up to this point, that is such a specific thing that if they have not said you're yeah. not allowed to use the shower, mm-hmm. then I would just assume you're staying... That, like, that's like saying, can I use the bathroom? Like, right. Can I use the, the sink? The toilet. Right. Um, I would say that if you are staying for a few days to bring your own... Um, what toiletries yes um because you wouldn't want to use up something that was you know super expensive or specific or anything like that um but i mean in our bathroom i put out toiletries for people who stay (laughs) we have a lot of those little like hotel business yeah we steal all of this (laughs) so so i leave those out for people um and hope and sometimes they get used and sometimes they don't but like a a dollar bottle of suave is not gonna set anybody back too much all right folks that's gonna do it for us thank you so much for joining us um i just want to say these last four episodes i've been really really proud of the charcuterie the cheese board and now house sitting i feel like we're taking on some pretty heavy topics <laughs> and if you enjoyed these i think it matters that you go out and you tell people and you say like hey I know I heard you, Doug, talking about charcuterie the other day. Here's your one-stop shop to find out everything you know about it. Hey, uh, you're going on vacation, right? So you're probably worried about house-setting. You should check out this episode. You could also go to iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps. That would also help us out and, uh, you know, let other people in on some of your favorite stuff that we do. And every time an episode goes up, we put up a link with a little sound clip on it, a little video clip. Uh, well, I mean, it's a video clip of our sound. Uh, <laughs> but if you would share that or retweet it, that would be great. Um, if you want to tweet at us, we are at SchmannersCast. Thank you very much to Kayla and Wassel for that little thumbnail art. And of course, special thank you to our research assistant, Alex, without whom we would not be able to do this show. So thank you, Alex. Um, and if you want to submit a topic, you can email us at, 
schmannerscast at gmail.com. Thanks again, by the way, Loretta and Mike, um, for suggesting this topic. Um, and so, yeah, if you have topics, mail them to us, schmannerscast at gmail.com. Uh, thank you, Maximum Fun, our podcast home, where you can go find a bunch of other podcasts. You're going to like them all. I guarantee, 100% right. <laughs> You can also go to uh, McElroy.family, and that's where we post all of our um, our upcoming tours. Uh, that's where you can get links to all the McElroy shows. That's where you can find McElroy merch, and there's new stuff going up all the time. Um, also, please go on Facebook and join our Schmanners Fanners group. This was a hot topic in our fan-run Facebook group, and I hope that those fanners got them got their questions addressed um thank you to bruja betty pinup photography for that beautiful cover uh what do they call it cover banner cover art banner schmanner's banner fanner art (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) uh and also thank you to brent brentlefoss black for our theme music yeah, have you yeah, said that yet? Yeah, I haven't said that one yet. You're right. Yes. Which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Uh, and that's going to do it for us, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.